Welcome everyone online and thank you for joining the PIM webinar today. My name is Frank Place. I'm the director of the CGIR Research Program on Policies, Institutions and Markets or otherwise called PIM. Today we're going to hear about agriculture mechanization in Africa, lessons learned from South-South Knowledge Exchange. This work is undertaken by PIM as part of our Agricultural Growth and Rural Transformation Research Flagship. And I'm pleased to introduce our speaker today. Uh, he is Hiroyuki Takashina, who is a research fellow at the Development Strategy and Governance Division of the International Food Policy Research Institute, or IFPRI. Dr. Takashima has conducted research on market participation, actions cost, agricultural technology adoption, biodiversity, and political economy of seed policies in Africa, south of the Sahara. His recent research also focuses on the linkages between market and climatic risks and farmers' investment, roles of modern production technologies such as irrigation, mechanization, fertilizer, on agriculture transformation in sub-Saharan Africa. Hiro earned his PhD in agricultural and consumer economics at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign in 2008. So we welcome him. But before I hand over to Hiro, uh, let me explain how we will proceed on this webinar for those of you who are joining for the first time. So our speaker will begin very shortly with a presentation that you will see on your screens. The presentation last, will last for about 30 minutes. During the presentation, we invite all of you to send in questions via the chat and or question windows that you'll see on the right-hand side of your screens. We will collate the questions and group any that are similar in content. Uh, once we are in the Q&A session, our speakers will address those, the questions that we're able to pose in the time remaining. We are handling the questions in this way to make the best use of the one hour we have together. We are also recording the webinar and we'll make it available on our website shortly after the live event for those unable to join us now or would like a replay. So with that, let me hand it over to Hero. Okay. Thank you very much, Frank. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, this, for participating in this webinar this morning. As I uh, in, uh, introduced, my name is Hiro Takeshima, Research Fellow of IFPRI. Today's webinar will cover agricultural mechanization, uh, the work that we have conducted under PM over the last few years. Uh, before I start, um, I would like to emphasize that this work uh, builds on the collaborative work with the various internal and external researchers that we work with. So I would like to take this opportunity to uh, thank their contributions. And I also would like to thank uh, Dr. Shinshin Dell, who unfortunately could not participate today due to uh, our other urgent engagement for overall guidance throughout the course of this work. I'll first provide the background and then uh, summarize the highlights of the work compiling experiences in mechanization in Asia and Africa. And I will briefly describe the highlights of policy engagements we had with African government officials in agricultural mechanization sectors and key policy outcomes that we have observed. And lastly, throughout the webinar, I will indirectly highlight that the agricultural mechanization is actually a part of the broader theme of 
the issue of private investment for rural transformation. This, the figure, this, let me start with how the mechanization have spread in Asia. The figure on the left shows the percentage of cultivated area prepared by tractors in various Asian countries. And I also included Nigeria as an example of Africa. And this figure is based on various sources and and which is why I did not include the source here. And uh, the figure are also of various reliability. So this figure needs to be interpreted with caution, but I wanted to show this to give us a better idea of when exactly uh, mechanization or tractor use had spread to what extent in Asian countries in the past. And you can see that um, uh, countries like Thailand uh, had fairly high tractor use already in the 1970s and 80s. Um, the other Asian countries have seen a substantial growth of mechanization use from the 1980s uh, afterward. And during this time, the level of tractor use in countries like Nigeria have pretty much stagnated. The figure on the right plots the relationship between the tractor use and the share of workforce employed in the agricultural sector in the same set of countries. And interestingly, in Asia, many countries have seen the growth of tractor use while the large share of workforce has remained in the agricultural sector. And this is particularly so in countries like India and Vietnam. And again, in Nigeria, similar decline in workforce in agricultural sector uh, share has uh, occurred, but the mechanization growth has not taken off. But this does not mean that things have remained the same in since the 1980s in Africa. One example is the level of farming system intensification which is often an important precondition for the rise of demand for mechanization. The figure on the left shows what we call our value, which essentially measures the share of agricultural area that are actually cultivated in any given year. So for example, this the R value of 0 0.3 would indicate that 30% of agricultural area was actually cultivated in that year. The higher this ratio is, the more intense, intensified the farming system is in the, in the country. Now, the whole of Africa, this hour uh, value intensification has increased relatively slowly over the past few decades. But in regions like West Africa, this ratio has increased substantially since the 1980s. And in a handful of countries, such as Nigeria, Ethiopia, Ghana, Tanzania, this index has increased sharply since the 1980s. So you can see that the condition of, in terms of farming system intensification has changed considerably in parts of Africa since the 1980s. And as I indicated earlier, 
the, the figures on the right show that the, at the same time, the share of employment in agricultural sector in these African countries have declined consistently because of the difficulty in obtaining uh, accurate measure. I'm showing the figures from two sources, but uh, both sources indicate that this pattern has been consistent. And thirdly, throughout the uh, PIM activities, we also conducted a number of empirical analysis, which of many of which have been published in peer-reviewed journals, mostly focusing on the impact of mechanizations. Basically, we found that mechanization, where adapted, has been a key driver of technical change in returns to scale in agriculture, which shifted a comparative advantage from smallholders to larger farmers. But land and market, labor market imperfections have prevailed. And because of that, smallholders have still remained most in the agricultural sector. But where smallholders have remained in the agricultural sector, mechanization still has uh, helped uh, income growth among these smallholders. And this has been particularly strong where they had access to higher yielding varieties. So that is the background that uh, the mechanization had grown considerably in Asia. Um, the farming system has also intensified in Africa and mechanization where adapted has tremendous uh, significant impact and in, in for how, how from household level as well as uh, for rural economy. Now the question is what is the why, why is there why is there a gap between Africa and Asia and we now move on to looking at some of the factors that we have observed through the synthesis of the work compiling experiences in Asia and Africa. As I mentioned, this exercise builds on the collective work we conducted with internal and external researchers. We started with four scopes. First, a historical evolution of mechanization in, in respective countries and we looked at demand side factors, supply side factors, and where possible, we also looked at the effects of mechanization on agricultural transformation that were observed. We covered eight Asian countries, four from East and Southeast Asia, and four from South Asia. And we also covered five African countries. When doing this exercise, we followed the following guiding framework. We first started with uh, literature on the demand for mechanization, which are the farming system intensification and induced technological change combined with increasing off-farm employment and rising rural wages. But we also recognize that uh, the, the contribution of our work is to focus more on the supply side issues. We recognize that these factors, farming system intensification and induced technological change will create demand for mechanization and supply will respond to rising demand over time 
but with the time lags and transition costs. And the role of public sector is exactly to mitigate these transition period, partly through South-South knowledge exchange that we can offer to African countries. And just, just to summarize what these uh, framework are, farming system intensification basically suggests that the population growth and urbanization that would lead to rising demand for agricultural products lead to a shortening fallow period and growing demand for a more intensive tillage, which uh, leads to the important precondition for mechanization growth. The seminal work by Pingali and others in the 1980s basically suggested that at that time, farming system intensification in Africa were insufficient. But as we saw in the earlier slides, these conditions have changed. And induced technological change would suggest that in response to changing labor land ratio, mechanization as labor saving technology would respond to increasing uh, uh, farm employment and rising rural wages and the resulting uh, labor scarcity. But there's a the supply side would respond rather slowly because of market failures, particularly for the supply of machinery hiring service. Due to indivisibility of equipment and limited spatial mobility, seasonality of demand and coordination failures and other knowledge related barriers. Let me first uh, highlight the major aspects of experiences in Asia. With the interest of time, I will only highlight a few major ones, but uh, for those who are interested, uh, this uh, webinar presentation will be available after the webinar, so you can check which ones I have left out. First, we re realized that the demand for mechanization at an early stage really was raised through technological improvements and farming system intensification in Asia. Uh, those were sometimes due to the improved varieties, high-yielding varieties provided by the public sector that would raise the returns to more intensive tillage. And oftentimes when the tractor was just beginning to spread the use of intensity of animal traction use had already reached a sufficiently high level, oftentimes much higher than where Africa is today. So they already had enough uh, farm power used on the farm, which could readily be substituted for tractors. And at the later stage, the demand for mechanization were further raised by more economy factors, including economic growth, uh, rising wages, and industrialization. Now, in Asia, subsidies were often provided, but unlike in Africa, they had relatively small distortions because subsidies were often competitive and provided without targeting particular types of beneficiaries or equipments. And credit were often provided by a variety of private sector agents, including machine sellers and dealers. Um, that also commercial banks were able to provide credit using land use right as collateral. And also in many Asian countries, the local manufacturing started uh, from simple tools such as spare parts, then moved on to relatively more sophisticated tools, attachments, and then eventually 
the manufacturing of machines. Now we move on to mechanization growth experience in Africa. First important aspect of the experience in Africa is that there is a special significant heterogeneity and mechanization growth. There are pockets of areas with rising adaption, although the national level adaptions have remained low. The figures on the right indicate some examples from Ghana, Nigeria, and Tanzania. Tanzania's work is based on Dr. David Cahan's work. And you can see that the, the, the adoption rate varies considerably across regions in, within the country. And in, in addition, in Ethiopia, while the national level adoption is only 1%, the higher adoption has been observed in southeastern part of, of, of the country where wheat barley system is dominant and tractors are increasingly substituted for draft animals. Similarly, in Kenya, the adoption has been growing in uh, tropical highlands and coastal lowlands. What are the other demand side factors for Africa? First, Dr. Vince Wanger's work confirmed basically that uh, in Africa, the population density and improved market access in the last uh, three decades have really induced a major shift to permanent cropping, which created the conditions for more frequent tillage. But at the same time, we have also seen increasing heterogeneity and farm size within African countries. The number of small, uh, there are a number of smallholders whose farm, farm size have continued to decline, but at the same time, we have seen the emergence of medium-scale farms. And the nature of demand for mechanization differ between different types of farms. And understanding uh, uh, the nature of demand is increasingly important in Africa. And thirdly, many parts of Africa, including West Africa, have seen uh, rapid urbanization leading to the declining uh, movement of the workforce from the agricultural sector. But urbanization in Africa has often uh, happened without industrialization, including agro-industrialization. Agro and uh, consequently, it has not been associated with mechanization growth in agricultural sector. We also observed that uh, while demand for mechanization is high for the first few units of a farm power use, they seem to decline rapidly at intensive margin. For example, there's a high demand for first tillage, but they decline uh, for rapidly for second or third tillage. There is also relatively low demand for multifunctional use. And these seem to have implication on uh, how to aggregate demand to attract the service providers What are the supply side factors? Number of the market and government failures have limited supply responses where demand has emerged. First, high horsepower expensive tractors are still common in Africa. 
And this is not only in terms of the difference between two-wheel tractors in Asia and four-wheel tractors. Where even when compare four-wheel tractors, those in Asia are of lower horsepower and cheaper, while those in Africa are more expensive. So the, the issue of indivisibility and the limited mobility of machines are more relevant in Africa today. They limiting the access to mechanization service. And this has been exacerbated by the fact that the literal commercial credit has also been extended by dealers, banks, or for tractor purchase, in contrast to Asia, where uh, a lot of commercial credit has been provided by these private sectors. Issue of spare parts and attachments availability are well-known issues. The difference between Asia and Africa is that even for the manufacturing of relatively simple tools like spare parts and attachments, the such manufacturing have not yet taken off in Africa in contrast to Asia. There are also uh, knowledge constraints, especially insufficient knowledge of tractor operations that are still uh, constraining in Africa, especially among the, those uh, new service providers who were selected by the government. And lastly, the government in Africa often faced challenges in identifying efficient market service providers to support. And let me elaborate a little bit more on the last point. One of the studies looking at the service providers, tractor owners in central Nigeria, identified two types of tractor owners. One is the market sourced tractor owners who obtain tractors from competitive markets without subsidies and the government sourced tractor owners who obtain tractors from the government with subsidy. And comparing these two types, we observed that the market sourced tractor owners are consistently more efficient in providing service to more areas, to more customers. <clears throat> And this was so even when considering the seasonality, they exhibited considerable seasonality um, in demand and the machine use. But even within the lean season, the market source tractor owners were able to meet demand and uh, uh, meet more demand and provide a service. And overall, they have earned higher profit, basically providing uh, earning more revenues while uh, um, spending pretty much the same cost as the government source tractor owners. So what are the key strategies for Africa? There are a number of, of strategies, but uh, here I highlight uh, only a few of them. The first is really to allow uh, liberalize importation of machines to allow the uh, importation of variety of machines tractors of various brands and horsepower. For example, Thailand, in, in Tanzania, the government tried to inspect all the imported tra tractors, but our experience in Asia suggests that the, the cost of doing so might be higher than the actual benefit in terms of reduced availability of certain types of machinery in, in the country. Similarly, Ethiopia restricts access to foreign exchanges 
and put in place more requirements for licensing and import duties waiver. Again, uh, lifting these restrictions are likely to lead to net gains in terms of more availability and of tractors of, or machines of, of a greater variety of brands and types. And secondly, relating to uh, earlier slides, government can really allow markets to select more efficient service providers or machine designs instead of them trying to select these types of service providers by themselves. And thirdly, oftentimes the subsidies are still needed, but if subsidies are used, they should be used to increase rather than limit the exposure to more brands types of equipment. For example, the past concessional loans in, uh, provided in various countries often required equipment parts to be imported from the specific donor country. And having greater variety of imported brands and types of machines often provide more ideas for local stakeholders, for local adaptation, which will eventually lead to the growth of local manufacturing. The government can also provide uh, a number of uh, public goods, uh, R&D to develop and adapt locally appropriate machinery can be done in collaboration with domestic private sectors. The government public sector can also provide a critical knowledge that the private sector can use, including the local soil conditions, the performance of different types of machines and the suitable flow depth tractor horsepower and others. The government can also invest in other complementary technologies in rural infrastructure that would broadly make mechanization more feasible. The public sector can also play a role in providing critical coordination. For example, in China, the local government linked combined harvest owners and customers in various regions they also help coordinate among migratory service providers. They also provided various information, including harvesting calendars that these service providers can use when deciding which regions to travel. And the public sector can also utilize local institutional mechanisms such as farm-based organizations, cooperatives to promote local coordination in crop planting and harvesting timing which would help group of smallholders to aggregate demand that would attract the service providers to come to their areas. And then lastly, uh, I would also mention that the, the solutions will still differ within countries and across agricultural systems. Now, let me briefly highlight the key policy engagements we had with African government officials and the key policy outcomes we observed using examples of the study tour in Bangladesh and the case of Ghana and Nigeria. Under PIM support, we organized a mechanization study tour in Bangladesh in November 2015. This was done with a collaboration with Bangladesh consultants as well as a summit. Nine officials from four African countries participated in this study tour. The team visited government, machinery importers, manufacturers, 
dealers, spare parts distributors, and farmers, and agricultural machinery research institutes in Bangladesh. After the study tour, the government officials compiled their reflections in two policy briefs. Here are some of the highlights of, of, of their reflections. First, they recognized the potentials of small tractors. They often observed the great multifunctionality that these small tractors and power pillars exhibited. They also thought that there are areas in, 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 in their African countries where soils are suitable for small tractors to be used for plowing. They also recognized that even the folio tractors, if they were, when they were used for haulage, transportation of bricks, sands, and those uh, non-farm products, they were using lower horsepower folio tractors which could potentially create the market for similar smaller polio tractors in African countries. They also recognized that the private sector were providing various types of services to tractor buyers addressing certain market failures. Many of the importers and dealers provided after-sales service with the warranties which would provide maintenance and repairing service uh, for the first, uh, for the uh, limited time period. And importers and dealers also often provided credit to tractor buyers. They also uh, actively engaged in demonstration and advertisements of available equipment to sensitize the potential customers and had extensive networks throughout the country. The, the government officials also observed that the, the level of the tillage was quite intensive. They saw that in many areas, several rounds of the tillages were done on a single plot, um, as the yields often responded well to each round of tillage. And they also observed the significant investments into R&D and extension capacities and the human capital level and skill levels of the stuff at these institutes were also uh, quite high. And lastly, they recognized that the mechanization in Bangladesh has grown despite still weak standardization and regulatory capacities. Also, under the PIM project, we had engaged with the government officials from Ghana and Nigeria and observed how the work had helped them uh, reform their um, agricultural mechanization related programs. In the case of Ghana, Ghana has been implementing Agricultural Mechanization Service Enterprise Center, AMSEC, since 2007. The phase one of this program started in 2007 but they had selective application requirements and often faced with low machine utilization, high breakdown, damaging due to improper operation and maintenance, and high default rates. In 2016, the government of Ghana secured a new concessional loan facility from Brazil and started phase two of AMSEC. In, in, in implementing the phase two, they partly incorporated various recommendations made by international agencies, including IFPRI's work. They 
uh, applied less selective application requirements, also exploited the multifunctionality of attractors by providing various complementary equipment. They also focused more on the importance of maintenance and repair activities. The program now provides free scheduled 1,000-hour technical tractor maintenance service. And they also included mobile workshops that were set up with subsidies but are run by private individuals. They also requested uh, Brazilian manufacturers to provide spare parts for two years. And for first-time buyers of tractors, the government made it mandatory for them to participate and the government provided a training. Similarly, in Nigeria, a new program called Mini Mobile Mechanization System is being launched, making use of smaller tractors, such as power tillers, particularly targeted towards the youth. And power tillers are expected to be used for plowing, transportation of light machines, and the government officials in charge of designing this program told me that the, their participation in Bangladesh study tour helped them see the multifunctional use of the power tillers, which encouraged them to develop this program. And the other government official who participated from Kaduna State in Nigeria um, also told me that the, the Kaduna State has now shifted from subsidized distribution of tractors to more market-oriented approach, where the government now focuses on linking farmers' associations and tractor supplying companies to better communicate farmers' demand to these suppliers. To conclude, public sector play critical roles in generating and transferring knowledge on mechanization and Asian experiences can offer much knowledge to Africa. International and intercontinental perspectives provide, uh, inform how mechanization have grown, or sometimes even though some constraints have remained unresolved, or inform which constraints had been actually resolved by the private sector. So the public sector can prioritize which type of support to focus but also um, it told us uh, that it is important to more accurately understand the Asian experiences as well through closer look at the historical data in Asian countries. The research also contributes in significant areas. For example, the smallholders still remain in agricultural sector for the time being and understanding the determinants of mechanization spread among these smallholders will remain very important. And also understanding the mechanization and the future of smallholders are likely to be relevant for many developing countries, including Africa. And lastly, understanding the role of mechanical technologies on agriculture rural transformation will continue to be an important area of research. And lastly, as I indicated in the beginning, Agricultural mechanization is considered an outcome of private investment for rural transformation. Um, private investment has played a major role in mechanical technology development and supply. This is in contrast to biological technologies where the public sector has played a major role. And growth in agricultural mechanization reflects increased capital to labor ratio in the rural and the overall economy 
physical capital formation, but also the development of the capital markets in the rural areas. And lastly, mechanization growth reflects the growth of rural non-farm economies because one form of rural non-farm economy is the uh, occurs through backward linkage with the agricultural sector and tractor hiring service is, uh, is one such example. So understanding the mechanization issue offers insights into understanding the broader issue of private investment for rural transformation. So before I uh, finish, I would like to also acknowledge the uh, various external and internal contributors who uh, contributed various country case studies and also the government officials who participated in the Bangladesh study tour and the uh, uh, research stuff that helped us synthesize the Asian African experiences. That's the end of the, my presentation. Thank you very much. Great, uh, thank you very much, Hiro. That was very interesting. Um, we have a number of questions that have come in, and I've uh, I think they they might still be coming in as I'm talking. But let me group a, co a couple of them together, and we'll we'll try to get through as many as we can. There were uh, a couple uh, questions uh, uh, that came in, and I also had just to maybe further probing the this the adoption of of mechanization. Um, so one question is, uh, you showed uh, quite a bit of variation within the countries that you studied in Africa. Do those, does the variation um, that you, you show in Tanzania, places like Tanzania and Ghana and Nigeria, do they actually uh, support the hypotheses that you have about those could be areas with higher land labor ratios, higher wages, uh, perhaps of more favorable cropping systems? So that's one question from on the Africa side. Um, okay. On the Asia side, there was a question that came in. This, they, they were noting that the rates of uh, use of mechanization kept increasing and or and still remain very high in many countries where average farm size is, is shrinking. So the question was why how, why does uh, mechanization still uh, why is it so popular and, and used so widely even when this, the farms are are shrinking in Asia? So one on Africa, one on Asia. So I'll start with those two. Okay, yes, uh, thank you very much, Frank, and thank you for those who addressed these questions. Regarding the question on Africa, um, yeah, based on my observation, I think they are, um, in a large sense, they are consistent with the hypothesis of uh, based on the demand theory that uh, uh, a lot of the demand for mechanization is related to the uh, factor endowments. So the area with relatively larger farm size yeah, have seen uh, growth, uh, more growth of mechanization adaptions. And uh, in case of Nigeria, the, the pattern of difference is uh, largely explained by, um, for example, in the northern Nigeria, the adoption difference seems to be explained by the wage rate. The central Nigeria is high; the wage is higher than the northern Nigeria. But also, 
the difference between the northern Nigeria and southern Nigeria is more explained by the farming system or the cropping system. In the southern Nigeria, the wage is higher, but the farm size is smaller, and also uh, it's uh, the farming system is more dominantly by the tree crops or root crops. So, but overall, a, a mixture of these factors seem to explain the, the variation across the countries. And in Asia, yes, it is true that mechanization kept growing despite the declining farm sizes. And um, I think part of the reason is Um, mechanization of tractor use for land preparation. So I think part, part of the factor behind is, is that mechanization is spreading for certain farming operations, but not the whole operations. For example, land preparation has been increasingly mechanized. Tractor use have, uh, have spread and reached almost 100% in various uh, Asian countries. But the uh, mechanization of the later stages, such as planting, weeding, harvesting, have still remained uh, a manual activities. So uh, that explains um, why the mechanization is, uh, the farm size have still remained small. But uh, um, as I indicated, mechanization, as it affects more fundamental characteristics such as returns to scale, over time, the growth of mechanization will eventually uh, lead to uh, induce some smallholders to exit farming and uh, lead to uh, the increase in average farm size. So those are my responses. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so two related questions that, that, that kind of draw, build on this uh, questions on adoption. Uh, someone wanted to know about what was the role of uh, the, the quality and the extent of a good road infrastructure in terms of adoption of, of, uh, of mechanization? And could that perhaps explain some of the differences across Asia and Africa? And then someone else wanted to know about the role of social capital in uh, use of, me of mechanization. So do you have uh, any responses to those? Sure. Um, yes, I think the role of Infrastructure is definitely one one factor. I I, um, I agree with that. Um, I think the good road infrastructure both induce um, market access, which is which creates demand for mechanization, and also it increases the mobility of tractors within rural rural areas. So I think those yeah those are consistent with what we have seen. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, this, yeah, the social capital. I think it's uh, it's an area that yeah we have yet to uh, fully investigate, but I I believe it will yeah it plays an important role. Um, there are certainly institutional factors in the rural areas that uh, you know help farmers to communicate with the service providers. And uh, uh, I think that technologies would also 
complement the, uh, the the presence of these social capital. For example, mobile apps are increasingly, although to a limited extent, uh, increasingly used in African countries, including Nigeria, where the farmers, a group of farmers, uh, request a service through mobile apps, which would be then uh, transferred to booking agencies and uh, communicated to the service providers. So uh, um, I think yeah, I think it's an er important area to research further. Great. Um, so uh, a couple of other questions. I think these two kind of uh, are geared towards understanding the role of government in 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 the in the, in the me mechanization sector. So one question that came in was. Uh, is there are there are there countries where the government does not really intervene at all in the markets? There's no distortions at all, or no subsidies, and and how and how is that played out? So that's one one question. Maybe you can talk about some examples of very liberalized countries. And then uh, another question that's related was uh, was the uh, was whether smallholders in Africa, especially, are when 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 we look when we observe that they're using um, mechanization more is that completely without any external help or are there some programs that are helping to to um, increase their access okay i, I think yeah um i think in, in several yeah asia um there are cases where the growth of mechanization has been as associated with increased liberalization. And um, for example, Bangladesh and Vietnam in the 90s are often cited examples. Uh, Bangladesh um, basically moved to a liberalized importation of machines such as power tillers and uh, pumping equipments, and which uh, and also, they even dropped um, uh, requirements to test equipment at that time, if I understand correctly. So, and those were often cited as an example where the mechanization really grew without uh, substantial government intervention. And I think Vietnam is also uh, shifted from more uh, socialist system to more liberalized market-based system in the 90s and um, our study found that uh, during the 90s they started seeing the growth of power tillers and uh, even the manufacturing of power tillers at that time so um, and and another recent example is uh, Myanmar where uh, liberalization have been observed for uh, financial sectors, um, and uh, the the bank started lending uh, a credit to uh, potential buyers of machines, uh, increasing in, in to a greater extent. And but this was uh, combined with uh, some reform on land policies, uh, which provided more security uh, to land use rights. So um, there were some indirect government intervention, but uh, as far as mechanization sector was concerned, 
it, it, it helped the growth of mechanization in Myanmar seems to happen in, in, with, with, without uh, significant direct intervention by the government in the last uh, several years. Um, the, the second question of mechanization used by smallholders in Africa, um, I think there are, um, there are, I think there are uh, mixed, and in some cases, uh, some programs uh, were supported by the government, um, but we also recognize that by doing the survey, small survey uh, or field work, we observed a significant number of informal sector uh, uh, tractor owner service providers that are actively uh, providing you know, hiring service in various parts of the country. And uh, we, they were rarely recognized by the government. So I don't think they are receiving any direct support. They, we, we even had to track them down by asking, uh, talking to uh, uh, different uh, uh, stakeholders to identify them. They were, some of them are really difficult to uh, track down, so I don't think they are really recognized or uh, supported by the government. So, uh, no. and, but oftentimes they uh, invest in tractors using their own personal savings and using the secondhand tractors and uh, started with using machines on their own farm, but uh, uh, gradually start providing service to uh, neighboring farms. So I think yeah, there are several examples like that in the informal sector in Africa. Great. Hey, I have two. I have two two questions that came in that are also related. Just to just to understand better the nature uh, of uh, the types of mechanization that you were looking at. So uh, the one actually one that has come in um, was uh, you know you talked to. I think we all understand that you you definitely were covering mechanization that was helping for crop uh, crop production. Uh, there was a question as to whether you looked at all about mechanization related to small small farm irrigation. Some of the you know the looking at the tube wells and uh, uh, pump sets and so forth. And uh, if not, whether whether your your work or, or the project will would continue and be able to look at that because that could be also be an area. For, for South South uh, Exchange, uh, so that was one question. The other one was actually uh, looking to see if there was, uh, if you could give a, if you how how much detail that you had on uh, some of this information. The there was so there was a question that came in specifically about the case of Nigeria, wondering, um, you know, what kind of agriculture implements are mainly used by the farmers, you know, uh, what are the and uh, whether the, the, what and whether they have demands for other implements that are not currently available if, if those aren't the ones. So what would they ideally like to have? What are they using at the moment, if you have those details? OK, yes. Um, yes, yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, we, in our, our review mostly focused on tractors and in some case, combined harvesters. And uh, we didn't spend uh, substantial time on other agriculture machines uh, like tube wells or uh, pump sets, but the, 
we often cited that the uh, we often uh, mentioned that in in African countries the the in in Asia we those tube wells and uh, irrigation related uh, equipment often provided uh, additional use of power tillers and tractors uh, to increase the multifunctionality and the use of these machines and we recognize that that is lacking in Africa uh, and could be a constraint for uh, farmers' investment in machines. So I, I think that we see a clear linkage in, in this and I think especially for Africa, um, I, I, I think it, yeah, we, I agree that it, it, it will be important to look at the other mechanization equipment, including yeah, tube wells and pump sets in, in, in Africa in the future studies. Um, for um, the, the question on Nigeria, um, I think there are one one example is going probably yeah going back to tractor even even for tractors there are a different demand for different types of tractors and there are uh, many used tractors that were imported in the 1980s which have seem to uh, disappear mostly, but some of them have somehow survived and continue to be used by farmers. And uh, uh, they often express the, the, they like those machines better than the newly imported tractors, newly introduced tractors by the government. And uh, they, but they face challenges and because um, they do not know where to Get those uh, tractors from uh, from foreign uh, sellers, and also they cannot get uh, spare parts. So um, even for tractors, they uh, there are uh, uh, there are more demand for certain types of tractors, but are not. Uh, uh, but the government is not uh, supporting those types of uh, uh, access to those types of tractors. So. Um, I think yeah, those. I think those are, are probably one uh, important uh, uh, example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Uh, let me ask a couple of questions about uh, your policy engagement. Now to switch topics just a little bit before we wrap. Was running out of time. Sure. Uh, so I, this was a very interesting uh, uh, action that was taken to bring uh, the African African policymakers to Asia. How, how, uh, well, my question is how, how were they selected or how, how were they chosen by, was it by the governments themselves that nominated people or how, how was that? Um, that's one question. And how, in terms of the influence uh, that they've had back home, do you see, is that more of a function of the personality of the, of the person who, who, you know, to take, take leadership or is it the, the position that that person uh, uh, has back in, in the country? If, if there are any thoughts you have on that, would be welcome. And then finally, a question about policies that we know that transformation is very high on the African agenda, which means that mechanization would, of course, be of high interest. 
But on the other hand, the other another big topic in, in Africa is youth employment. And of course, many people think that, well, if, whenever you bring in um, capital like uh, machinery that you might uh, trade off against job growth. So did you did you sense any kind of concern about that trade off amongst the policymakers? Uh, yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you for all these uh, important questions. Uh, yeah, regarding the, the selection of officials, um, we, uh, yeah, the country where they came from were selected mostly uh, uh, because of uh, convenience, uh, I, I have to admit. Uh, we, in all those countries except Kenya, we had country office, so it was easier to communicate to the officials through our IFPRI country office programs. And the only example, or the only exception was Kenya, where they uh, actually reached USAID. And at that time, the program was uh, jointly financed by USAID's uh, Feed the Future. So that's how we, we got to know the Kenyan government officials. Um, so yes, the idea and the, um, the officials who came were also uh, already had uh, some some level of close interaction with IFPRI uh, country office. So um, at that at that yeah, that's how we that's how they were selected, and uh, the actions they, that were taken afterward. Um, I think there are yeah various factors. And some of them are uh, were actually out of our the control of you know uh, of IFPRI. Um, uh, in some case, uh, some officials we learned that uh, soon after they came back, they had to retire. Um, so it was uh, they were no longer active. But uh, uh, in some other cases, uh, um, they had they actually came. With uh, looking the when they came, they already had a stock of power tillers in the country, but they did not know what to use them for. So the study tour actually helped them to uh, make use of those already available equipment, the stock of equipment already in the country. So. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I would say I think yeah there are there are a number of factors and uh, I think yes um, we would would like to uh, go deeper into uh, uh, analyzing yeah what uh, affected their actions after afterward and uh, yeah the youth employment yes this is a um, important area uh, at the government level as far as I can see they do not seem the mechanization to be competing with. Uh, youth employment. Um, generally, they are interested in promoting both um, uh, the, based on the policy documents that we can uh, uh, see. And uh, um, they also sometimes think that using tractors, for example, for land preparation, then the raising the farm profitability might actually help uh, increase uh, increase employment for uh, other farming operations, and it might also in, uh, attract youth to come to uh, come back to agriculture, where uh, if agriculture is more modernized and uh, capitalized.
So yeah, I think yeah, those are the observations I have. Yeah, very good points. Do you uh, maybe just as a follow-up, do you have any? Uh, have you started actually looking into that issue with any of your data sets? Is it possible? That's one question. Maybe one. Let me squeeze one last one too. We got a couple more at the end. I think we won't be able to get to all of them. But another. This is another question about the uh, uh, say the effects of mechanization. Uh, so this is come mainly pertaining to South Asia, but. Is there any evidence that which would uh, indicate whether the mechanization has led to any land uh, redistribution or reallocation? Um, you know, uh, you know, in between, uh, say, say for example, uh, example leading to high, larger land sizes. Um, sure. Um, yeah. The first question. Yes. Yeah. We. Uh, yeah. We conducted uh, somewhat related, but not, uh, but slightly different research, but. And basically identified that um, uh, generally a higher agricultural productivity led to more employment in both farming and non-farm sector employment and mm -hmm. also the the factor that led to higher agricultural productivity were uh, uh, correlated with factors that are also inducing mechanization so yeah we see some indirect evidence in that in that and the second point, yeah, that, that that's a very interesting question. We, yeah, we have not started looking into the effects of mechanization on land, uh, land, uh, uh, land market, uh, which, but I think, yeah, we will definitely look into that, yeah, in the future. Okay. Well, great. Uh, thank you so much, Hiro, for your presentation and also for fielding very well all of the questions that came uh, to you. Okay, yeah. um, uh, so for those of you who I didn't quite get to your questions, I think there were still a few and there were some that came in at the, at the last minute as well, I could see. Uh, please feel free to uh, write to Hero. Uh, uh, I think uh, you'll be able to f find him uh, on the web, on the, on the uh, IFPRI website, or at, but it's uh, h.takashima at cgir.org. Um, also, you can find, as we mentioned, you can find the, the uh, seminar uh, the, the slides if you go to the uh, PIM website, which is uh, http backslash pim.cgir.org, and you just look under the resource tab and you'll see the, the webinars. And you can find all the previous webinars as well. And then lastly, just to say we, we, are, we are currently trying to put together a couple more for this year, so uh, stay tuned and we'll, we'll announce those when, when they're confirmed.